Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Learn how to stand up when you're knocked down because you're going to be knocked down. Two partners for being irresponsible. That's what you need to stomach if you're an entrepreneur. There's all sorts of businesses you can be successful at if you put your heart and mind into it. For everyone that's on the webinar today, I think this it, it probably maybe for you if you're in the you're like most attorneys that are interested in starting businesses or thinking about it or have business ideas, it really could be one of the most important webinars that you've ever heard just because it's directly based towards you. And even if you're not thinking about it, it's going to tell you probably why you should be an attorney as opposed to an entrepreneur. So I have the silly giraffe here right now. I'm going to, I'll show you it again, but I'm going to, it's something I keep in my office and and I keep it there because it's one of, it's, it reminds me of one of the most important lessons that I can teach you, both as an attorney and also if you decide to become a business person or entrepreneur. A giraffe is born, it, it, has, it falls out of its mother like two meters as just a baby. It's just a horrible fall, obviously. And it's dazed. And then the first thing it does is stand up. It's one of the first few mammals that can stand up the second it's born. And its mother runs over to it and she stomps on it with her foot and knocks it down and and repeats the process several times. And you think this is like an awful thing. Uh, But baby giraffe is forced again and again to get back on its feet. And the lesson is really is that in order for the giraffe to survive against predators, it needs to be able to get back on its feet quickly, the baby giraffe. And it's going to be chased by lions and all these different things. So it's really teaching it how to get back on its feet and get knocked down again and again. And and so that's what the giraffe mother does. And it's really a very powerful lesson. There's a quote that I found that I like. It's, I guess it's an Arabic proverb. And it says, sometimes in order to do or to get something good, you have to be a little rough. And, um, and it's like that, I think, with a lot of these webinars and, and a lot of the writing that I do, I try to be as direct as I possibly can with people. I don't try to sugarcoat anything because I think that's helpful to you to make you grow as a person and an attorney. And it's very important to me that happens because I'm trying to get back to the profession that certainly has helped me. As an attorney, obviously, or as an entrepreneur, you're going to get knocked down a lot. And people get knocked down all the time as attorneys. You can get fired in this type of economy. You may get fired or laid off. You will not get jobs when you want to. You will have people say bad things to you. You will get bad reviews. You will make mistakes and you'll get knocked down again and again. And it's important to know that the most successful people out there all get knocked down and they get knocked down again and again. Just just reading the news about any political figure, any politician or any entrepreneur, look how much they get knocked down and how often that happens. And in my life, doing the kind of work I am at, I can't tell you how many times I've been knocked down any anytime you try to do something that other people are doing or anytime you say anything that may be the truth but it's it hurts people or runs rubs people the wrong way anytime you as a business person it can be very difficult and anytime you have to make a mistake and so this is the job of an entrepreneur it's also the job of an attorney is to to get knocked down and just realizing that really could be one of the more important lessons that you could ever have because so many people give up. They get intimidated. They get, they don't believe that they're capable of anything. And you really need to learn how to stand up when you're knocked down because you're going to be knocked down, especially when you start doing very well and stuff. And when you get 
successful than you. And that's when the claws really come out. It could be from your own family. It could be people in your family trying to undermine. It could be your spouse. It could be uh, or significant other. It could be your friends. You just don't know. So you have to be aware that's what it is. And so why do I bring that point up and make that point so strongly today for for attorneys? The problem with an attorney is attorneys are often the exact opposite. They're risk averse. They're in a profession where they're working for people that a lot of times that are taking risk, whether it's representing a criminal or a business person or someone in litigation that's sued for doing something stupid. Attorneys are different. The idea of an attorney being an entrepreneur, just if you can just think about this, getting knocked down and not having money for payroll or not even making mistakes or having competitors write bad things about you. It's just it's lunacy and, and for a lot of attorneys. And so the, just think about it. If you ever get into it, entrepreneurship is, is something that is really going to make where you're going to get knocked down. Now, I want to make one other point before I start the webinar. And this is, again, it's another story. And it's one of, one of, my, one of my favorite stories. There are people that definitely should be practicing law and need to do it. It's a lot of them. It's most people that become attorneys. And there are people that shouldn't be practicing law. I remember when I was going to law school, I was a contractor and I had all these friends and people and I was being I was very successful and happy and just I couldn't I was on cloud nine. Every day was like the best thing that ever happened. And my business was growing and, and I was very happy. And and then I was like, I'm going to law school. And everyone was like, are you insane? And I was young. I didn't know what law school was. And, but I was like, I have to be an attorney. I have to do this. And it's just, but it's so much different than the kind of work I was doing. And, and I guess and from what I was seeing back then. But, and, but then, and then I got to law school and, and I had a funny experience where I was the kind of person I would sit in class and be like, why are people recording these and selling these recordings? This is crazy. And that sort of thing, because it just, entrepreneurs think differently. And so do many times attorneys think differently. And so there's just this whole idea of a lot of people think they should be entrepreneurs. A lot of people think they should be attorneys that are, are actually really much more suited to be entrepreneurs. And so you need to think about this. And this is a decision that everyone that's watching this is going to need probably need to make at some point. You're going to have people trying to get you to start businesses. You're going to have, you're going to think about starting your own business. You're going to think about, and it's just, it's a big decision. And so the story I just wanted to tell you, you know what, I'm going to save it for later in the webinar, this different story, and I'll just get started. But it is very important just to remember that if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to get knocked down. Now, it's very important to understand that if you decide to leave the practice of law, to do any type of business, even if it's your own law firm or join an existing business in some capacity because you think it's a good entrepreneurial activity, you're pretty much going to be saying goodbye to your career working in a law firm. I'm just telling you that because I, I know it and I've seen it and there's certainly exceptions to that rule. But if you decide to leave the practice of law in a law firm, especially a big one, your odds of getting back into another law firm are very slim. That's as an employee or an associate and that sort of thing. You certainly, if you play your cards right, could do all sorts of things to get back into a smaller law firm. But for most good-sized law firms, you're pretty much kissing your career goodbye doing that. And the legal world just doesn't welcome you back. How do I say that? How do I know that? I know that because uh, it's I place attorneys all the time, every day of the week, practically, and rarely seen someone that's left to do something entrepreneurial ever get welcome back. Regardless, it's just they just don't care. It's just it's just a different personality type. It would be like 
I don't know, trying to give them, I don't know what an example would be, but it would be like a, a ballet teacher trying out for a, a, ball, a ballerina trying out for a professional football team. They just, they're not the same. They're both very talented what they do, but they're just not the same. It's just that you're an entrepreneur or you're a, an attorney a lot of times. And again, I hate to say that, but it's just the way the law firms think. The legal profession is a guild and uh, and they if people leave their guild, you get punished and and you better be certain you're doing the right thing. And if you're really more of an entrepreneur than not, but you have to really know that. It's like knowing anything if that you are a, the kind of thing instinctively. It's not something that you can control. You can't control. I don't want to be controversial here, but you if you are attracted to the opposite sex or you're attracted to the same sex, these are not things that are learned or it's just it, it's it's just natural. And so it's you have to go with what you have and how do you, you discover your entrepreneurial nature and your but but at the same time I, a lot of it's very natural. So it, it was funny my first law firm job I shared or not oh I was next to an office with a guy that was a senior associate and this was in the early days of eBay. And he always would buy all this pin, pinball equipment and stuff and sell it on eBay. It was very funny because, and I was at Quinn Emanuel and it was just this very tolerant, open environment, very non-corporate. Ceilings are all exposed and the people were walking around in shorts. And I think he was maybe about 10 years out of law school and all these people would be rolling in these pinball machines and things into his office. He would be signing for them, which is very funny. And he was very miserable practicing law. He just felt like he was trapped. He had nothing else he could do. He actually, when I say at least an hour, some days his commute was two hours. Eventually he had to buy a motorcycle, which he said was like coming to going to work on a, in a video game, uh, which is funny, but he was commuting from Los Angeles to Orange County. He had a house there. He couldn't sell it. He was constantly worried that his wife was having an affair and, and he was just sleeping in his car in the parking garage because he needed, because he could, didn't want to have to commute two hours each way to get back and forth to work. And so he'd do that at least a couple of days a week. And he'd been working nonstop. This is a funny story. He'd been working nonstop and he was told he had to go to Orlando to depose a witness. And, and after the deposition, he decided to go to Disney World and spend a few hours there. And his cell phone had died and he couldn't retrieve messages because this is back in the day when the cell phones were much bigger and didn't have long battery lives. And when he got back to his room at about eight o'clock at night, there was there were a bunch of messages on his hotel phone, as well as a fax at the door. And so he called the partner back in Los Angeles, who was very upset uh, because he wanted to hear how the deposition went. I think one of the something that was it was a message that was I think it might have been written in like in big letters or something on the facts. It said something like a lawyer always needs to be reachable. I'm taking you off the case and putting another attorney I can trust. And it was a big time attorney that I think they lateral from Gibson Dunn or something I remember that he was working for. And then when he got back to Los Angeles, he was sat down and lectured by a few partners for being irresponsible and unavailable. And just as an aside, I just remembered years later, I was placing an attorney in the firm's office in Silicon Valley. And I was talking to a partner and I asked how this guy was doing. And this was like six, seven years later. And they and he was counsel at that point. And they said, yeah, but I've heard some stories about him like being unreachable. And this is seven years. This is literally seven years after this happened. And that's he's a nice guy, but I've heard some stories about him being unreachable. And so he was lectured about that. And this is seven years. Yeah, it's just literally for going to Disneyland for a couple hours. And, and I'm not criticizing the firm because obviously they have very high standards for the attorneys. But at that point in his life, this guy did not enjoy practicing law. He had a house, children, and a lot of responsibilities. He kept him very busy. 
And, and so he was constantly, like a lot of attorneys, dreaming about starting his own business. And this is something that attorneys do all the time. I go out with attorneys, and, and especially when people are drinking, like two or three drinks in, they tell you how they want to have a vineyard, or they want to do this business, or this business, or they have this business, or this client's talking about this business. They're all just dreaming about starting their own businesses. And so this is how he started his pinball business. And he'd spend weekends driving around California to buy these machines. He'd go to auctions and all these different sorts of things. And, and he'd be very excited. He'd come in and he'd say, I just met, I just made $600. I've got 25 bids on these flippers. And he would just come check it out. And I'd go look at his screen. And he was very happy when he was doing this. His, the rest of his existence was just slumped over a computer, writing briefs and things and going to depositions and sleeping in his car. When he was doing this, he was very happy. And he would have the machine shipped to his office and Sometimes there were four or five of them. They would they would be stacked in wooden boxes, which is very funny. But he loved this pinball stuff. And, and partners would come talk to him. And again, Quinn, such a cool firm back then. I don't know what the culture is like now. I'm sure it's still a really good culture. But the partners would come in and talk to him. And they would just not even say anything about five pinball machines stacked in his office. It was just a very, very cool place. And deliveries would be coming in that he'd sign for and stuff. Because I used to see these partners standing up at his door talking. It was just funny. And his secretary would be helping him ship things out. And, and so one time I asked him how much he was making. And he said he'd make at least 10000 over the course of the year. And at that point, he was probably making 150000 Now, I'm sure he probably made a lot more than 10000 but that's what he said. And barely whatever he made was compensating for the time he was spending on it. It didn't matter. And he was happy and alive doing that. And he wasn't happy and alive practicing law. It was just a different existence for him. And a lot of attorneys, maybe you, probably a lot of people dream of an escape from the accountability of practicing law, which is the working in front of a computer and the stress and the bosses and the, and this guy never, he may have quit now because I couldn't find him recently, but after leaving where he was at, he went to a big, another big firm and became a partner there and he was there for a long time. And so he, until recently, I don't think he ever left the practice of law. He had a family to support and uh, and once you get in that role, you're stuck. He had you know, a very nice wife that I liked and children and a house. And, and he certainly could have had, couldn't have made the life that he had of selling pinball machines. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. The other thing that's funny too is that I, when I talk to a, a lot of temp attorneys and doing these Zooms and stuff, uh, they always have their button like on their screen. You can see on their, like, their saved things where they go and they're always checking their investment accounts. And I'm always thinking maybe they're just trying to retire. They want to make sure you know, how much money they have and if they're close to retirement. And so a lot of lawyers spend their days talking to and doing work for business people. They can't help but be envious, a lot of them. They take orders from these business people. The business people yell at them. They work long hours for them. And, and that, honestly, that's what we do as attorneys. We work for people that have more money than us. I do that for law firms. I work for law firms that have I'm still an attorney in that sense and have more money. It's, but the law firms work for people, unless you're doing a lot of consumer law that have, which means working for individuals that are getting 
DUIs and wills and things. But unless you're doing consumer law, most of the time you're working for people that have a lot more money and you cannot help but believe that that type of life many times is more rewarding. And, and a lot of lawyers dream of that sort of life and they want that freedom and escape. And, and so a lot of attorneys believe that they can go out in the world and they can start their own business. And, and again, I'm not talking about a law firm, which I will talk about today because that's a great business for a lawyer. Why wouldn't you start a business that where you're selling your time for a lot of money? It's a great business. Wow. But they dream of any type of businesses outside the legal field. They do all sorts of things, all sorts of ideas and these fantasies about different types of businesses you can start. And they dream about that instead of being a lawyer, which the fantasy is that they'll be able to make a lot of money, perhaps unlimited money and have more freedom and not be tied to the bill of hour and not have to be lawyers with that associated stress anymore, which is a good dream. But is that your skill set? Is that what you're made to do is what we're going to talk about today. And, and again, there's a lot of attorneys that have made this the jump from being attorneys to entrepreneurs, but they're very rare. And most of the time, the attorneys that do that are so freaking, sorry to use that kind of terminology, but entrepreneurship, that entrepreneurs, they don't even... Many times they don't even, they don't even pass the bar and they just start. There's a big pizza chain in California called Shakey's by attorneys that, you know, by an attorney that didn't pass the bar. There's a bunch of them that, a bunch of very successful businesses of people that never passed the bar. I used to know a guy that had this giant credit card business that he sold to Intuit for, I don't know, $150 million that never passed the bar. They're just so entrepreneurial that they don't, it's just not, in the cards. And if they do go to work in a law firm, they very rarely stay there very long. They're just, this is what an entrepreneur is. It's like, it's like putting, uh, imagine putting, uh, I don't know, Bon Jovi deciding he's going to be a dentist. It's just, it's not what he is. He might, Bon Jovi's very smart, by the way, very smart guy. I don't know you know about him, but very smart. I'm sure he could do just fine in dental school and probably get in and take all the courses, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a good dentist. Or Chris Rock is going to be a neurosurgeon, he probably could pass, get into, it's just none of this makes sense. So you don't do things that aren't along in your in your wheelhouse. And and again, the attorneys that succeed as entrepreneurs, most of the time, just do it very early in their careers. They don't spend a lot of time practicing law. So they're just too motivated to do it. It'd be like, again, I hate to keep giving this example, and I'm not trying to upset people by it. But if you're a one a heterosexual or homosexual and you have to date the wrong sex all the time that's not for you that's crazy people do it but why it doesn't you need to be the person you are and be proud of it and there's nothing wrong with it it's just if i'm practicing law it's a style of thought and action it's not compatible with being an entrepreneur it's risk averse it's all sorts of things and and again attorneys that uh are often the exact wrong types of people to be in business. They're, it's a risk-averse profession where you're worrying about other people's problems, where you're negative because you have... So I'm going to examine today the reason why attorneys often make bad business people and entrepreneurs. And again, you may see all these things and say, hey, I'm the exact opposite of that. And therefore, you should be an entrepreneur. So this could be very useful for you. Or you may see that and say, that's right. I'm in the right profession. Like I'm doing the exact right thing. And that's very important. And I want to tell you at this point this the story that I was going to tell you earlier. And this is the story. People hang on to these ideas. They hang on to these ideas that uh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur or I'm going to do something or I'm going to do something different. And, and they hang on 
to these ideas and they're often very bad ideas. And, and so there's this, the story that I like and it's, uh, and it's about someone that's swimming with a rock and they keep dunking them. They keep going underwater. And then when they surface that everyone's screaming, drop the rock and the person with a rock doesn't hear them. And they just keep trying to swim and falling under and they keep, and then the people tell them again, drop the rock, drop the rock. And, and then eventually the person drops the rock and of course they stop coughing and they cough up all the water and then they swim to the shore and they live. And so sometimes when you're holding on to these ideas, I must work in a large law firm or I'm only going to be happy if I do this. That's not good for you if you're entrepreneurial. That's not even good for you if you're not happy in a large law firm. Maybe you want to be like people hold on to all these ideas or I need to, I need to be in a successful, I need to be in a, I need to do this and I need to do that. I need to be a corporate attorney because of, even though you might be better suited to be in something with the people that want to be entrepreneurs. If you have an entrepreneurial mindset, you know it, not just if you should be dating men or women or both who have an entrepreneurial mindset. And if you have that entrepreneurial mindset, that's very good and you should be doing it. But if you don't, what are you doing spending your time worrying about it? You just need to commit and drop the rock and get rid of this freaking dumb idea and be happy and live your life as an attorney. The next thing I'm going to discuss, and a lot of people do that. And so the next thing I'm going to discuss is how you can understand if you're the sort of attorney that's cut out for business. And again, I tell you that as someone that's an entrepreneur and also an attorney and has been doing this kind of stuff for a long time. And so I hope this content is helpful to you. It's very important to understand this. So why lawyers make bad business people and entrepreneurs uh, and why they make bad business people and entrepreneurs. And the first thing about being an entrepreneur is you need to be incredibly optimistic. You need to be the sort of person that takes an idea and believes in it and gets 100% behind it and is very excited. When I talk to lawyers about business ideas, it's the most freaking depressing thing imaginable. Like they find every single thing that could possibly go wrong. And that's their job. That's what a lawyer does. And if you're like that, you're probably not going to be a great entrepreneur. I'm just telling you right now. And you might not be a good lawyer because of that, if you don't think that way. This is what we want in our lawyers. We want our lawyers to find every single possible issue that can go wrong because that's what they're paid for. But entrepreneurs need to be masters in possibility. They need to see a future for a business or an idea and that is far different from what it is today. They need to believe in something if you start a business. They need to get excited, and then they need to be able to get other people excited about their idea and see where things can go. And this is the job of an entrepreneur. And they need to believe that not only would they not fail, but that the business will not fail. It's like the idea of the draft I gave you earlier. Entrepreneurs are going to get knocked down. Most businesses, I don't know what it is. It's like some ridiculous number. 92% of businesses go out of business in any less than a year. I, where I live in, in Malibu, California, like there's these malls that are like expensive to put stores in. And the, the odds of a store staying there for more than a year and defaulting on its lease and going out of business are very slim because they can't afford it. Most of them fail. And even national chains, it's just a competitive market. And an entrepreneur may fail again. And a lot of times they lose multiple fortunes. But despite that, like this giraffe, they keep getting up and keep going. They don't get discouraged. Here's what most attorneys do, by the way, when they go into business. They go into business and they try it once and they do something business-like. They try to start a business or something. The business fails and they go back to practicing law. This is not what an entrepreneur would do. An entrepreneur would keep trying no matter what. And being an entrepreneur is about uncertainty. So uh, every business is uncertain. You don't know if people are going to buy your product. You don't know if you have the right mix. You don't know how to, if you're going to be able to manage the employees and 
do all these things. And you, people, you can buy a franchise. That's a good idea. That's a ready-made business for you. But most businesses that you could possibly start contain a lot of inherent risk. And so you never know what's going to happen to the business. And again, most businesses fail. If you look at all the companies around the Fortune 500, when the Fortune 500 started in the 1950s, I don't think there's maybe one or two that are still in business. I mean, this is just what it is. And and so an entrepreneur needs to break, get themselves up and get enthusiastic and continue believing in ideas. And this is just what they do. And they need to come up with ideas and they need to think about how things could go differently and what they, this is just the way the thought is. It's, and then they need to believe no matter what happens. When I started recruiting, by the way, I gave up the practice of law and, and walked away from a job that at the point paid probably, what would the equivalent be now? Probably close to 400, maybe more, over $400,000 a year. And as this is, as, and again, it's crazy how much things, and not only that, I had all this stuff. I was freshly married. And when I say freshly married, I'd only been married a month when to the astonishment of my wife and her family and everyone around me, I walked away from the practice of law to start doing what I'm doing now. I was four months in and, and I hadn't made a single placement. At this point in time, my wife was going in out into the front yard or cordless phone and talking to her family. Like, this guy's freaking lost his mind. Like, what is he doing? And, and everyone was very sad. And then for me and thinking there was something wrong and I was working in my house and I had an office, but I just didn't leave because I, I was just working all the time. So I, so one day my wife and some of her family came, and her friends came over and they walked into, uh, to my, um, office area, which was on a back porch by the, eventually a garage, but, it's all, but I was working the back porch and, and I started telling him about how excited I was about a candidate and how, again, I no money coming in for four months. I'd taken out a home equity loan all, and they just stood there looking at me. And then after a few, few minutes of talking about how I was just very excited about this one candidate I had, they just walked away. And, and then I saw them talking in, a, in another part of the house back room had a, like a way to see through. And they, one of them was going like this. I was completely crazy uh, being doing this recruiting stuff. Well, and so I didn't care. Did, did it make me feel badly? No, because I was very enthusiastic about my canon. I believed in this person. I hadn't made any money. I've been doing it for four months. And that was on, that was like on a Saturday. And uh, when this happened, because I was working on a Saturday night. And then on Monday, I would start my day at, I was so enthusiastic about what I was doing. I would start my day at 4.35 in the morning. I'd get up. I couldn't get up at 5 in the morning to practice law for anything, but I loved what I was doing. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. 
even though I wasn't making any money. And I got up and the first call I got was at 7 in the morning or 7.30. And it was this woman named Pilar from Latham and Watkins. And she was like, is it early enough for you? And I was like, yeah. And and she hired a candidate of mine that had been a corporate attorney before, but then had gone to UCLA Business School and then wanted to come back to practice law. And, um, and that was a big placement for me. And then to make a long story short, by the end of the week, I had made like four or five placements, which is very good for one week. And by the end of that year, I brought in personally well over a million dollars in fees from, from doing what I was doing. And I believed in what I was doing. You couldn't, you could have put me out on the freaking sidewalk and out of my house and I would have been doing it. And it's just, I believed in myself. And so this is not how attorneys think. Attorneys are trained to, to think in a different way and, and they're trained to spot issues and to find things that can go wrong. And, and once someone starts law school and practicing law, this is what you're taught to do. You're taught to become an expert and finding everything that can go wrong in a situation. And this is the job. This is the job of an entrepreneur. There's a, there's a guy named, it's kind of funny, his name's Peter Swire. He's still, he's, I think he's a professor now at Georgia Tech or something. And he went to Yale Law School. He clerked on the Supreme Court. He's a very, I think he clerked, maybe clerked on the Court of Appeals. I don't know. But he was teaching at University of Virginia Law School when I was there. And, and one day I was, I was in his, talking to him in his office. And I'd just written a paper and he told the class that it was the best, I had the highest grade in his class and it was the best paper and it was about this. And he'd said this publicly to the class. And I was like, wow, it was great. I'm going to And then, so anyway, I was in his office later and about something and he said to me, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, why are you in law school? You're like nothing like these people. And his office had a window that I don't remember, but it overlooked the, the law library. And all these people were like sitting all there very, very serious. And I was, I don't know, I was in his office and he's like, you don't belong here. And and I was like, what do you mean? I'm getting the best grade in your class. I'm doing a clerkship. I'm a law review. I was like, no, you don't. You, you shouldn't be doing this. And you're not like anything like these people. And this is how it is with an entrepreneur a lot of times. You don't, you're not going to fit in necessarily with that environment. And I'm not saying, and I thought he was crazy. I was like, this guy's freaking nuts. I'm going to go to the, I was very offended. I'm like, I should go to the administration and say something about this Peter Swire saying that to me. He's raining in my parade. I can't believe. How could he be freaking rude to say, that I shouldn't be an entrepreneur and I'm clerking in a big firm. And no, he was absolutely right. And the other thing I would say about this, Peter, anyway, he's, he's a really smart guy. And, but I didn't take his advice at the time. And he was absolutely right. He was right. And you do something else. And because uh, entrepreneurs need to be able to find everything go right. And most real attorneys find everything go wrong. And, and you need to be able to, attorneys, by the way, when they get into businesses, a lot of times they're freaked out. There's constant change and risk with keeping the business going. And, but no, there's no plan. Everything's changing. And, and so to stay successful, businesses need to make constant changes. Look at Elon Musk and Twitter. Like he's charging for special things. He's changing things. He's doing this and that. And, and businesses just need to be able to come in order to do this, need to come up with new products, new services, updates, ways of doing business to stay successful. Nothing's stable. It's, no business is stable. If you want to have a stable business, it's almost impossible. Maybe you can open a McDonald's, a franchise, but even that, even a McDonald's needs to change its products and come up with healthy alternatives. And again, I've seen so many attorneys start businesses more than I can count. I don't even, and most of them fail. Not all of them, of course, and some of them succeed miraculously because they're in the right business, but most of them fail. And often when they fail once, they give up and become defeated. 
And it's the complete opposite of an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur may start 25 businesses before one succeeds. And this is common. And they, the 25th may succeed. Slack was a failed software company that developed a way for messaging as people. All these, a lot of these companies, you would be amazed. They're the product of failures. And, and so businesses that are started a lot of times by attorneys become, the attorneys are very negative and um, they blame all sorts of people for their failures. They'll blame their investors, managers, the markets, customers. This is how an attorney thinks. Like if a business fails, it's not the attorney's fault. It's the fault of their investors. It's the fault of their bad hires. It's the fault of the the market changing. It's the fault of the customers not being ready for the idea. It's like, this is how attorneys think. And this is not how an entrepreneur thinks, by the way. But an attorney thinks they need to find fault with everybody. And a lot of entrepreneurs, most of them realize that failure is just part of the mix and they don't care. They don't take it personally. They just keep going. And so entrepreneur is also about ambiguity and not certainty. You don't know what's going to happen and what's going to go wrong. There's they, You have to jump into these ideas and take the plunge without having any idea what's going to happen. They'll come up with outrageous ideas all the time, and they'll never know whether those are going to succeed or not. I've seen some of the craziest ideas that entrepreneurs will come up that they, that they just get incredibly wealthy. I don't understand it, but they're just fine proceeding in the face of ambiguity. And most lawyers want to know how things are going to turn out. It's just a different type of thought process. They want to be able to write things down. They want to know what's going to go wrong, and they want to know if their odds are better and it's very funny, for example, watching attorneys when entrepreneurs are in, in pitch meetings. And so pitch is, a, is when an entrepreneur like pitches venture capitalists or something on, on their business idea to try to get some money. And the lawyer will often look at the entrepreneur like the entrepreneur is insane. And, and they'll just come up with all these what ifs. What if this happens? What if this happens? And this ambiguity doesn't discourage the entrepreneur because the entrepreneur knows that the chips are just going to fall and they'll make changes as they will as they move along but they don't think like the attorney and and again entrepreneurs just have to deal with like lots and lots of uncertainty because they may see something that they see an idea and and they have a gut and belief in it you don't know how things are going to work when you meet someone for the first time you have to have some ambiguity lawyers for example don't think that way with businesses and and they just think in a different way and that's part of the problem that's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.